This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at javascriptjabber.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Views on View. This week on our panel, we have Chris Fritz. Hi. Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. Eric Hanchett. Hello, hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we have a special guest, and that's Gleb Bombatov. Gleb, do you want to say hi? Hi. <laughs> now, since this is a new show, you obviously haven't been on it before. Do you want to just introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Gleb Bakhmutov. I run engineering at a small startup called Cypress. Cypress is end-to-end test runner that replaces Selenium. So brings sanity into the world. Wow. So uh, Selenium is insanity? I did not say that. <laughs> uh, awesome. I, I think it's, it has its own pay points, right? And yeah. You know, Brian Monk, who started Cypress, needed a tool that solved those pain points. And um, someone had to find a solution, and that actually meant not going with Selenium, but writing things from scratch. That's it. Yeah, so, so some problems that I've had with Selenium is I, I get unreliable tests, so tests that sometimes fail, even though everything's going okay. And then sometimes to solve those problems, I have to add, you know, weights and then I'll, I'll add like, you know, 2000 <laughs> millisecond wait time. And then as you know, something else, you know, as the test gets more complex, I'll maybe have to increase that to keep the tests uh, successfully passing when they're supposed to. Um, I think how does, isn't it yeah, go ahead. common? Like it was, it was a lot of com. it was really common with a lot of stuff I've done where you'd run the tests and you take all of the, Hey, this test failed. And then you'd run it again and see if they failed two times in a row. And if they failed, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it was three or four, and then it's like, okay, it failed four times in a row. We better check and see if it actually is failing <laughs> for real or not. Right. And I think the big problem with that is that people stop taking, or developers stop taking failing tests seriously. <laughs> because you yeah. think it's just a flake. It, it's not a problem that I introduced in my latest commit. It's like, it's always been flaky. Right. Yeah. Well, the other issue is, is that writing unit tests and running unit tests is pretty easy. Yes. It's usually pretty straightforward. The problem is, is that if your unit tests are isolated, which is what makes them easy in the first place, then you don't know if something is failing to connect to something else or if you have something that's coupled in a weird way in your app. And that's why these end-to-end tests that Cypress or Selenium run are so valuable is because it's, hey, look, I can go through the entire payment process or I can go and I can set these permissions and then have it tell me, no, 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 you don't get to do that. Um, Where you really can't uh, do that the other way with your unit test. You can do some of it, you can test parts of it, but you can't test the entire thing. And if it's unreliable or too hard or a real pain or... Uh, you know, any other form of inconsistency or just plain not useful. I mean, if you're spending as much time maintaining your end-to-end tests as you are writing your code, I mean, that's a problem, right? Because you're you're getting paid to solve those problems, not to test that you solve those problems and then fiddle with it until it gets right. 
you're not getting paid to write tests. That's for sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> a, a customer who needs like a, a checkout feature, like you said, doesn't pay for the test that you would write. But a test is just a tool for you to ensure quality that yep. what you have delivered works. So you you only have to do it by by need, not by choice. Yep. So yeah, so that, I, that's the appeal for me with Cypress is just that it's it's at least in my case it's been more reliable more reliable and it it has different shortcomings but it's it's easier than selenium for me i appreciate it i i wonder if it would be useful before we go too much deeper to just define like what exactly is end-to-end -end testing uh, who wants to take this one <laughs> how, how how do you define it at cypress uh, at Cypress, we define it as testing the deployed system, right? So you have actual server in staging or production, and you test its API or its web application, and you use a real browser, right? You don't use you know browser emulation to load your web app. You actually you know start a real browser, and you load your website and you run through common scenario just like a real user would. So that's an end-to-end -end test. And Cypress can be used for web application testing, you know, static web page testing. Uh, it can hit your API, kind of similar to like Insomnia or REST client. So it can literally test anything that runs in the browser. Mm, so, so testing like for a login form, like that when a user like visits this page and then, you know, type something into the username field and then type something else into the password field and then hit submit, uh, like that logging in actually works or if they type something wrong that they see an error message, that kind of thing. Right. Like open amazon.com, select an item, put it in your cart and then check out and, you know, make sure that you, you get, you get a payment form that it goes through and that it shows confirmation dialogue like that kind of whole scenario. Okay, so basically automating like what you would normally do to check if your application actually works. Exactly. <laughs> you know, opening up the browser and, you know, clicking around on things and, and exactly. just doing the things that users would do. Automating what QA department usually does, right? Yeah. So in, uh, you know, larger companies, you have dedicated teams usually of people who ensure that the application actually performs all the scenarios that the web app is supposed to do. So going through a checkout, adding items, you know, subtracting items would all be particular scenarios. And every time you, do, you make a big release, the QA department would go through these scenarios manually to ensure that it works in real browser, maybe in different browsers on different platforms and different OSs. And the huge problem with that is that this is so far removed from what you do day to day as a developer. If you're working on login or checkout feature, by the time the QA goes through this process of all end-to-end -end tests in a deployed system, it might be days, weeks, months, right? And even if a bug is discovered by then, you already don't remember what you have done. You moved on. Your local develop branch or master branch is so far removed from that point when the bug was really tested. So it's, it becomes really hard for you to get back and determine what the problem is. So you want to shorten the cycle and do end-to-end -end testing as you're working locally as a developer. Imagine mm -hmm. test-driven end-to-end test development. 
right? And we only have the tools that kind of solve this problem. So think about deployed system. Docker kind of does this for you, right? Now you can work locally and have the same experience as your AWS server. So there is no more excuse, oh, it worked on my machine, doesn't work on staging. Mm-hmm. Because it kind of should be close to the staging system. So mm-hmm. Cypress kind of moves that QA end-to-end testing phase and step from a couple of weeks removed from you to real-time working as you program it, right? So at least so that's a goal. So users could actually, or maybe it sounds like should actually be doing like test-driven development, you know, writing their tests and then writing the feature that actually makes that test pass with end-to-end tests with Cypress? Yes, yes. And the Cypress watches your test file, so it reruns tests affected automatically. So you can literally have it open on one window and you would see like a, your browser showing you the web application. And as you change something and you add more tests, like it keeps running those tests and you can see it like, doing things because it, it's a graphical user interface so you see the list of tests all the steps that the test runner is taking and the web application in yeah. an iframe so you can actually see it clicking it, you can see it filling the forms you can see it going to the next page you can see what text it's looking for and then detecting and passing or if it's not detecting if it fails you will see exactly the step and what it did and you can inspect and go back and there's a time traveling debugger so test-driven end-to-end test development locally as a developer. It's great, right? <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, I am a huge, huge fan of Cypress. Thank you. And it's something that, that I've discovered, unlike any other test framework that I've used in the past, is that it's not only a good test framework, it's a, it's a good development environment. You, know, you talked about that graphical interface that you can use that allows you to see when a test failed, exactly where it failed, and step back in time and, and trace all the steps up to that failure so you can see, okay, wh- what went wrong at what point it went wrong? And you right. can discover that within seconds in a nice interface and see exactly what went wrong and get more information like in a little sidebar. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. It actually makes me more productive while developing, you know, n- not just right. something else that I have to do while developing. Uh, that's our goal. It's developer experience focused. We really want to give you the tools at your fingertips. But would allow you if something fails to immediately see why it failed. And, and going back, like you said, in time traveling debugger to previous steps, it might be a couple steps removed, right? Mm-hmm. You can inspect and understand where the things went wrong. Uh, it's absolutely our goal. And that's like one of the things that make some of the things hard. So for example, we did snapshot testing where you can you don't have to provide you know, expected value if it's complex. You can actually add it to Cypress as an add-on, as a user space library. And it would capture snapshot of anything in the browser. And like objects, HTML rendered, anything. But we did not put it into the core because the experience is not right yet. It's not there yet. Even if you use just snapshot for unit testing, you kind of know the, the pain points where, yes, I can save the snapshot file but what if I have to, uh, you know, update it? What if there is an error and I want to maybe update the snapshot, right? So we're thinking very hard about the developer experience. So we're not adding feature to Cypress lightly. We're kind of trying to think what would be the good overall developer experience. Otherwise, we could just be banging features without <laughs> thinking, you know, very hard about the overall thing. Yeah, I guess that is something that I've noticed, that the features that Cypress has, they all seem to be very solid. 
Um, there's really only been one time where uh, I've had a problem where a test failed intermittently and I couldn't figure out why, but it was, it was something that I was doing wrong, not something that Cyprus was doing wrong. I, I think I, I know what you're talking about. And that's one of the things that we consciously made a decision not to tie Cyprus to any particular framework, right? We, we don't know when your framework re the stuff, right? So we don't know when, you know, it actually starts running even when the application starts running. Um, you can totally do that, right? And Cyprus runs in Electron, in, in Electron, in Chrome or Electron browsers. So it actually has a very you know, close, deep knowledge of your application. It can inspect the DOM, it can intercept your JavaScript calls, so you can totally do that and, for example, have exact knowledge of your view application, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to do that, you can solve your flake uh, using application-specific uh, shortcuts. But we made a decision to only kind of expose by default only the DOM, right? So that you actually act for DOM, you act for events, you act for network calls, right? For like the boundary of your app and not through anything framework specific. Mm. So. Are there times though where you might want to do something framework specific in Cypress, like where you might want to access your view application, for example, to, to set up some state. So like when you want to right. test a certain feature that is only accessible when a user is logged in, should you like go and like go through the same steps again and log in? Or would, would that be a good point to access your view application and then actually, you know, fire off a, a UX action or something like that to actually get the user logged in so that you can set that state up a, a little bit quicker than having to, to go through the, because you already have a test for, for logging in usually. Chris, you're describing Cypress best practices, right? So once you've tested the login UI, the login model, you should not be always going through the login again for every other test, right? You already tested the login UI, so you know it works. So for other tests, you should literally either set a cookie or log in using uh, API re HTTP request that we expose to you, right? Or set the state on, on your app so you, you immediately start in logging logged in uh, state. And you can expose your app. There is no problem doing that. And then you can actually from Cypress have a deep knowledge of your application. Um, I kind of I wrote a blog post for Vue. UGSdevelopers.com, where I started with uh, an application without any assumptions. And I tested the app only through, by going through its user interface, just like a real user. But then, under the hood, the Vue app used Vuex data store. And so, in order to make sure that my application really uses the store correctly, I exposed the store. And then my Cypress test could actually modify the store and check if the UI has been updated correctly, right? So already I'm making a few assumptions now about how mm. my app was implemented. So it's kind of tightened it, it, it down a little bit, right? But then you can go one level lower and say, okay, my web app communicates with the server. You know, it saves the state, it loads things, it sends messages and so on. So Cypress allows you to spy on HTTP pretty easily. So now that I've tested my UI, I tested my Vuex data store, now I can actually either drive my API and observe how the UI changes and how the Vuex data store changes 
or I can, for example, drive my app through the UI and then see what HTTP call it's making to the server and assert that those are correct. So I'm making more assumptions, but I can drill down to all the levels in my web app to make sure it works the way I think it, it works and not it's just accidentally working, so to speak. Got it, got it. And what would you, you talked about sometimes uh, mocking out certain requests, like when you're calling an API, like maybe your API or maybe the API of some third-party service. How do you know when to actually call that API and when to like stub it out, you know, with a fixture or something? So imagine you, again, you're modeling uh, or you, you're writing an app for checkout, Amazon checkout, right? You probably want to stub out all the calls to the payment system. You don't want your test to actually charge you 100 bucks every time you test run the test. <laughs> ideally, I, ideally or, else, or else you probably won't be testing very long <laughs> no you're like our budget is all comes to testing <laughs> we can only afford to test once a week exactly uh, so uh anything that you you don't control right like your payment system uh emails um you know calls to integration service anything that's not specific to your application probably should be stubbed out okay and you can stub out pretty much everything. So, for example, at Cypress, we, in addition to the test runner that's open source, MIT license, that everyone can use, we also provide SaaS on top of that. So you can store your test results, videos, screenshots, and lots of goodies. That's a separate feature. And we have a dashboard that allows you to do everything. So we actually test the dashboard using Cypress, not surprisingly, but we stub out everything. So all the API communication with our own servers are actually all mocks with Cypress loads. So we 100% can run all the end-to-end -end tests without live server. Now, I, I would say it's a little bit too much because we never know that the server is actually doing the right thing at that point because we're stopping it completely. So we probably will introduce a couple of tests that need a real server just for sanity. But I would say start with stubbing everything because the stubs give you a nice documentation I would say of what API should do right if you, right and Cypress can load fixtures very easily so you can put all your responses and requests into JSON files and load them on demand mm -hmm. something else that I like to do sometimes too is uh, create like a, a mock API that the, the front-end team can use when, when testing and, and sometimes when developing. Uh, and then the same tests can be run against that API that are run against the actual API, you know, the, the same back-end tests. So that's a great so, idea, Chris. I, I think that's totally a great idea. Uh, and Cypress is it's just an Electron app, so you can easily spin a separate server, or you can probably even load your API as a marketing server inside Cypress right and, and see something you know do something like that but it's an excellent idea yeah i can make things run a little bit faster and because those tests run against both environments you ensure that they act exactly the same that's true and you actually bring a good point the speed you should stop any server call that's slow right usually we have an, an opinion that unit tests are super fast and end-to-end -end tests are super slow and with mm -hmm. Selenium, but you know, when you have to add 
two second delay, five second delay everywhere, but constant, right? Yeah. Pretty quickly, they become really slow, right? Uh, with Cypress, because it observes your app as it's running, it never has to wait longer than necessary. So the tests are usually flying, but if you have API calls to a server that takes up to a minute to respond, and we all know that during staging, the servers are not the fastest. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, it's nice to stop without, so that your tests never have to wait that long. Mm-hmm. Keep your end-to-end tests fast, that's what I say. So, so Sorry, of, hold on. I yeah, got to go jump ahead. in here. Yeah, do it, do it. Keep your end-to-end tests fast, and I just want to chuckle at that. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to say, make your end-to-ends fast again. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the problem is you can't say that because end-to-end testing has never been fast. That's so true. Can we actually talk about uh, some maybe some speed differences? Is Cypress faster? then are end-end tests in Cypress going to be faster than Selenium? Absolutely. When you, when you say absolutely, could you, I don't, obviously you can't give hard numbers, but what have, have you heard back from a lot of developers? What are they seeing? Are we talking like twice as fast and order of magnitude faster or? Uh, I would say at least 50% in total duration, but usually more. Um, and the thing about fast tests is that not only they're much faster, I would say at least the speed up a factor of two. Mm. Not only they're faster, but they're flake free. So they're flake free. I didn't quite understand it. So they run without any flake. They run consistently. Right. Passing, right? So once you figure out actually how your app can get into race conditions, right, and your test actually starts passing, mm-hmm. you will see, you know, it just flies through. We've been comparing, you know, um, end-to-end tests for to do MVC, which is not a real application, you know, not terribly complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are much faster than those folks uh, using Selenium. Um, but anyone on a complex application can testify that Selenium can be really, really slow, especially once you start fighting Flake by adding 10, you know, 10 seconds, 30 seconds. Um, in Cyprus, you can add those timeouts, but it's like the upper limit. And if the condition, your assertion passes after one second, you immediately proceed after that. It, it intelligently observes whatever assertion you're making, and as soon as it passes, it can continue to, to the next step. And I have to like maybe plug in a feature that we're bringing on board pretty soon, and it's automatic load balancing, which is... We've been using internally for our test. Imagine you're running you know, 10 spec files, right? Each one has a couple of tests. And let's say each spec file takes a minute to, to finish, but you have 10 of them, so it takes 10 minutes. Well, it's easy to spin CI boxes. So instead of testing on one box and running all 10 spec files, you can spin up N boxes, let's say 10, and all the test runners will just split all the 10 specs and each test runner will just execute one. So if you have 10 machines, you'll have a speed up a factor of 10. Now, yes, you can probably do it with Selenium or other tools, but in Cypress, it will be just a flag, dash dash parallel. Really? That's it, right? Because it's just JavaScript. At some point, you figure out how easy it is to add things like, you know, queuing and 
message passing and controlling Cypress through its API. And you now start thinking about other pain points like slow tests, not just inherently, but because you have a lot of them. And what can you do about it? So we'll bring that feature live pretty soon. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. So while I have the conch, I want to kind of back up a little bit. You were talking about um, not having, not assuming what framework people are using and not having framework-specific features. So I wanted to not necessarily challenge that, but like raise a counterpoint to that and you know, hear what you have to say. So Protractor, right, is a built on top of Selenium for specifically for Angular. And in Angular version one, they actually had a couple of very of Angular specific features because they understood the framework and were able to dig into that. And those framework specific features were actually really nice. Gave gave you features that could didn't exist otherwise. And uh, uh, I, I found them to be extremely helpful when I was dealing with uh, doing end to end testing with Angular version one. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Click selectors getting by scope by model. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wrote ng describe. So I, I've been in a yes in a weeds of Angular one testing for a while. Right. Yeah. So from that, do you feel like there is a place for framework specific features, and might we ever see those in Cypress IO or with add-ons, other people's add-ons? Is there ways for frameworks to build these sorts of things into Cypress IO? It's an excellent question. So Cypress can run any type of JavaScript, right, in the context of your application. So if you can get framework-specific feature by running book code in DevTools console, that's it. You can do it in, in Cypress. You can either share it as JavaScript, or you can even add custom Cypress command. So you can do all Angular-specific selectors as a custom command, but you can write once and then share, publish it, or share it into, inside the project. If you want to do view-specific command, it's as easy. So if you want to do, like, wait for view to, to do its, you know, rendering, you do view next tick, not a problem. We've been running um, Cypress tests at my previous company, but had Angular 1-specific commands for a while, you know, to find model for specific element and things like that. Now, that's one part of the answer, right? You can do it. But the second, even more interesting problem, and my second part of my answer is this, component testing or integration testing. So we kind of talked about end-to-end, -end, right? Where you load the whole web application and you just kind of drive it as a user. But when you're working on a specific 
you know, let's let's look at you, a specific component, specific you know single file, single view file. You probably want to load and test that particular component by itself. You don't want to build a whole app. You want to see how that component looks under different data conditions or how it interacts with different edge case scenarios. So there is a name for that, and it's called Storybook JS, right? A great tool where you can take a component, load it, see how it looks, right? It's kind of like a documentation tool. We've been um, experimenting, and we wrote a bunch of um, little adapters that are framework-specific for scaffolding an individual component in Cypress. So instead of visiting a page in Cypress iframe, you can say, mount my view component, and it will load that view component you know, and start view instance there. And then you can interact using the same Cypress command, clicking, typing text, making assertions. You can intercept you know, HTTP calls that your component might do. So you literally all of a sudden can easily exercise a component from major framework similar to Storybook.js, but with assertions. So now it becomes both your demo and documentation tool, but also the testing tool for your components. So you can do hacks like that right now. And I call them hacks just because it's kind of cool. It's not, it, it takes the end-to-end -end test runner and moves it down the testing pyramid to the integration layer, where you actually want to look at your component with like maybe something stubbed, right? Like server stub. So we can do that. We released Cypress-View-Unit-Test. It's, you know, it exposes a single function. You can bring it to your existing view project and just start testing your components um, today. Um, is, is view the only framework that you have something like this for? Oh, excellent question, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, we made view, React, Hyper App, Svelte, Cycle.js, and I made an attempt at Angular 2, and I got stuck there trying to scaffold a component on demand. And if anyone can help, like for any help would be appreciated. But it's so easy to scaffold a component once you have a prepared iframe. And the cool thing about that is that the Cypress actually blows away everything between each test, right? Between tests. So every test starts fresh. You, you don't get this artifact from previous state, previous test kind of like lingering around. So that means for your component, you also start fresh and it mounts again, starts everything again. So you can do it. Yeah, so we've done it for all major frameworks, and so all of them kind of work the same. Awesome. That's, that's very cool. That's very cool. And, and Chuck, can I add something? And, you know, you ask a question about, like, recruitment and interviewing and, pot, like, maybe an idea, as an idea for a podcast. Sure. Uh, so we just hired a senior engineer, Amir Rustamzadzeh. And he works from LA, so he's our first West Coast person. And the way he got into our field of view was by contributing to Cypress View unit test. Right? So he saw that cool project. He's a big fan of view. He has just done a, a talk yesterday in um, LA, I believe, about Cypress at a view meetup. So he solve the project that I open source. He solved the problem with supporting Vuex in this unit test framework. He mm -hmm. added view router support. And so now Cypress view unit test is a serious project. We can do a lot of things. And when we were looking for engineer, I asked him like, do you want to join Cypress? And he went through our interview process, but 
it was such an easy decision because he was passionate about Cypress. He wrote some code already in open source for it. And he wanted to work with us. Like, mm -hmm. we had a great number of applicants who, a bunch of them were really high caliber and really good engineers, but someone who contributed to open source in our field and, and, and liked it and got excited is an easy decision. So just a, a, a little anecdote. Nice. Uh, yeah. I, I ask people about this fairly frequently because I'm putting together a course. It's kind of aimed at people who are having trouble finding that job. And this is the perfect example of that, where you contribute yeah. to an open source project in a way that is meaningful. And, you know, it probably didn't matter as much to you guys what his experience level was or anything else, because he'd already demonstrated that he could do what you needed him to. Exactly. We did not do a whiteboard interview with him. Yep. Maybe he, he, maybe he cannot <laughs> But I'll connect you guys. But he contributed to view uh, utils for Cypress uh, a lot, and he's going to do great things. Awesome. Very cool. Now that I have the conch, thanks, Joe. Um, I, I have a couple of questions here, too. So when I write tests, um, I do like to run them locally, and it seems like Cypress really shines at that. But one of the things, and I haven't really played with this part of Cypress much, but I also like to automate it on like a continuous integration system or something like that. So how does that work? Where I'm not using the UI, I'm not really, you know, clicking things or pushing buttons or, you know, doing any of the things with the UI. Can I run it on a CI machine? It's an excellent question. You, you, you're giving me softballs, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> So when you run Cypress locally, you do Cypress open, and it opens a GUI, and then you run the test, and you see results, you can interact. On CI, you just run Cypress run, and that starts exactly the same Electron browser, right? Or, or if it finds Chrome, you can uh, you know, control Chrome browser. On CI, it behaves exactly the same way as, as locally, right? The list of dependencies that you have to install in your Jenkins box is very small. We list them all. We give examples, and we have working examples on all major CI providers. So Cypress usually runs straight out of the box. But we also have Docker containers. So any kind of Docker container you want to throw on your CI, we have it. You, you, if you want Node 6 or 8, if you want Node 8 plus Chrome browser, we already give you a Docker container with all dependencies pre-installed but we're using ourselves. So it's literally not different from running locally. And so, you get video recording for free. Nice. By so, default. Yeah. Yep. One thing that I'm wondering about, though, is a lot of the CI machines I've set up, they didn't really have a GUI interface on them. You know, they're just, you know, you're, you're plain vanilla Red Hat or Ubuntu or whatever. Um, and so since I don't have, like, the X server or, uh, what is it, GNU, GNOME, anyway... Um, so I don't have those layers running. Does it need that in order to run those browsers? So you do need the dependencies, right? Like X, B, B, right? And we give you a list. If you have, if you can use Docker, then you don't have to worry about that at all. Okay. But when you run Cypress, it starts with server, XVFB server by itself mm -hmm. and shuts it down. So you don't have to worry about that at all. Okay. Uh, so I would say it's very painless. Um, should not take you uh, very long. And 
our documentation for continuous integration is right there with examples and step-by-step -step explanation. So it should not be a very difficult problem. You should not be hunting in the dark to run it. One other thing that I, I could see this possibly being really nice for is you've mentioned that you can run it against, say, your, your local installation of your app, but can you run it against production? Right. Um, so usually you, you, you don't hard code your URL, but you load it. Right. You put it in a cypress.json file as a base URL. Uh -huh. But you can override it from the command line through environment variable. So on your CI, you just set the environment variable that you want to hit, and you can run the same test against staging or production if you want. Right? You can run maybe a subset of your test against production, maybe a particular spec file as a sanity test. But mm -hmm. it's so easy to point your Cypress at a different URL and say, test that. Gotcha. I just want to say real quick, one of the things that I've been really impressed with with Cypress is the documentation it has. Like One of the reasons it is so fast is because uh, it's so well documented how to write your tests well. And, and what, each, what each thing does, and not just like a description with one example, but often like a very uh, lengthy description with a bunch of different examples to cover different use cases. And a lot of the commands are actually quite flexible, so they can be used in different ways for different scenarios. And I, I've been really, really impressed with that. Just, just even if you don't use Cypress, I'd recommend checking out their best practices page, because a lot of those best practices will apply to other test frameworks as well. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. And, okay, back at you. So when we you know, look at open sourcing Cypress and we work on our docs, we looked at Vue docs as a good example. The Vue.js documentation is excellent. And coming you know, from Angular 1 and Angular 2, where the documentation was a pain point, I did not want to repeat of that. I wanted to have good documentation right out of the gate as we open source Cypress. So we took Vue as an inspiration, and we literally spent maybe 25% of all our engineering efforts on updating, correcting, and extending our docs. When does it go from free to paid, your service, the cyber so, service? But that's running is completely free. You can use it yourself as much as you want. For if you want to use our dashboard to record your videos, the screenshots, the data failures, it's free for open public projects. And it will have a paywall for depending on the number of private projects you want to run. But you know, the numbers that we are thinking are very, very reasonable. You're not going to pay $1,000 per month, right? So I, I don't think many companies will you know, object to paying a little bit for private projects. And you guys are still in beta, it says, right? Well, it says in beta, but aren't we all always in beta? <laughs> <laughs> it's in beta the way Gmail was in beta for 10 years or whatever. Exactly. No, it's absolutely serious. We have millions of tests per month. We have probably 10,000 know, active projects being recorded every month. Um, you know, hundreds of thousands of you know, tests. So it's it's... It really took off. Once we open source and remove that barrier that the company can go under and the test runner will disappear, a lot of companies are, jumped, are jumping. And you know, just to bring it home, I just watched the, the State of View by Evan Yu today, right, from ViewConf. And 
he demonstrated Vue CLI 3.0, also in beta, right? <laughs> and if you notice, or well, we notice certainly, that under end-to-end -end testing choice in a CLI, when you start create a project, Cypress was there. So that, that was like a great moment for us. People are started to taking Cypress seriously as a testing tool, and all the additional services are completely extra. But test runner will always be improved, 100% feature complete, and imp continuously improving. And and just to just to make it clear with what what we were just talking about earlier with the the paywall. So there's a Cypress client and there's a Cypress service. And if you're just using the Cypress client to run tests locally, will there ever be a point where you know you're you're doing that and then you're like running stuff in CI? Will there be one day when all of a sudden all of your tests just fail to run anymore because you're not paying for a service? Absolutely not. But test runner can run by itself. It's not limited. You know, go now and fork it, right? Just to, just to be safe. Go well, to, what's you know, the license on it? Uh, MIT. Okay. Right? It's, we're not even like, you know, React at first, right? We, we didn't put like custom license with like a, a little asterisk saying, you know, all your tests belong to us. No, it's absolutely MIT license. It does have uh, protection against, uh, you know, un un unlicensed usage because we wrote it in CoffeeScript. It's really, <laughs> that's our protection. <laughs> but uh, no, the investment in time and effort in writing tests will never be wasted. It will never be disappear. You, you, you can be absolutely, you know, safe writing Cypress tests. Great. So the only thing that you'd pay for then is things that you wouldn't get with another test framework anyway. Right, right. Like recording all your videos on in a central location, right? Mm -hmm. Recording all the screenshot. Normally, like you would have to kind of pay someone, right? To record yeah. all the videos of all of your test runs. So you, you might as well pay us. But if the service is unavailable or unreachable, no problem. You just store the, the test artifacts yourself on your CI. That's it. Okay. Well, what's good. the value of recording your tests while they while they're running? So when the test fails, you can just play the video and you see exactly what it did and when it went wrong, and you see the error. Oh, okay. I see. Right. So it records by default because you know we're using Electron and it has a media recording term by default. So it's really easy for us. You don't have to install anything extra. It's all included on all platforms. Yeah, for, for me, it saves me from those moments where a test fails. And we, you know, we were talking about earlier, you write it like a second time and a third time and a fourth time. Right. And if it fails the fourth time, then okay, there's probably something wrong. We should look into it. You right. can just see immediately like exactly what went wrong. And then you can, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I made a mistake. And then you can go and fix that. And then... And Eric, like, one of the cool things, you don't even have to debug that failing test by looking at this video. You play it and you play next to it a video of a successfully passing test from a previous run. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I see the difference. That's where it actually did something wrong or it looked differently. So having a video, I think, you know how people are excited about screenshot diffing, right? Where you take pixel by pixel screenshot and when you analyze against previous tests and you say this badge changed color. Now imagine you have videos, right? It's like having video versus picture. Yep. <laughs> Uh, we have great plans for that. It's um, you know, last month there was a SortJS conference, 
And I kind of talked about what we plan to do with videos and uh, as a service. You know, what kind of cool things you can do if you see a failing test and you have previously passing tests, what kind of cool things you can do to analyze and tell you what has changed, you know, why, how it changed and why. Because Cypress can see everything in your application. So it can go back to a previously successful test and tell you, well, this HTML is actually different at this point. This DOM is different. Or this CSS is different in this particular style. Or this network call return a different value right here from your failing test. You can do so much cool stuff because now you actually observe your application closely, something you could never do with other testing frameworks. Anyway, I've, I'm getting like all like TRI and like the future is so bright. <laughs> <laughs> We're just starting, right? Like once, I mean, JavaScript it, it runs the world and now about time we can run all our end-to-end -end tests in a JavaScript tool where you can improve it. Now, do you get, can you do reports on code coverage on it? Yes, uh, although as a best practice, we don't think you should. Uh, just because, okay. you, you know, you ship so much code, all the polyfills into the browser because it has to run your you know, finished web application, but measuring, you know, code coverage is not that great of a metric. Now, the one thing that we're really looking into, but we don't have a solution yet, you want to have feature coverage, right? Because a project manager or a product owner doesn't care about your code cover, right? They care, did you exercise all the scenarios from my feature list? That's what they really care, right? Did you actually click on all the buttons? Or did you go through this entire thing with all the edge cases? That's the important thing, but we don't know how to measure it yet. But I'm sure we'll figure it out, or someone will figure it out. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. Hey, anything to prove that your end-to-end -end testing is actually a valuable thing, right? Kind of yeah. go back to our very first thing we said. No, you don't get paid to write end-to-end -end tests. But if a tool was actually more useful, yeah. right? once you solve all the flake and speed issues, now you can actually think about the business value of your end-to-end test, because yeah. now you can actually prove it and say, we have to write end -to -end, 10 end-to-end -end tests because we have 10 user case scenarios mm -hmm. that we promised the customer. Well, and that's... that I. I mean, people talk about the value of our code, but the business value is the value of our code. It is what we're doing for our customers and getting the business paid for. Or if you're building an internal tool, it is the, the value in automation and visibility and whatever other reasons you're writing your code for. It's all business value. And so essentially the value of your end-to-end -end tests is that if you have them in place and you can rely upon them, then you know that things work. And if you do something that breaks something, then it will save you from those issues. At least if you have a test, you know, that covers that case. And finally, most of the time, with, if you were writing tests for your application, you're going to write it in a much more maintainable way because you're going to be thinking about the spec the entire time that you're writing it or the entire time that you're writing your tests if you write your tests afterward. And that's more a discussion on TDD versus... Uh, writing the test afterward, but still, at some point, you're going to be looking at your code and you're going to be factoring it so that it'll actually work nicely, easily testable, but also easily usable and easily maintainable. So when we're talking about the business value here, it's now I don't have to go back and fix it because I didn't have any indication that it was broken until somebody complained or until it cost us a bunch of money. More 
points to argue that you should be spending time writing end-to-end -end tests because now they're more effective. You know, stop writing so many unit tests. Maybe concentrate on the top of the pyramid and start writing more end-to-end -end tests. Yeah, and I will say that when they actually work and they actually speed up your development and it, it feels good to write them, uh, I'd say that's even a recruitment tool. And that, that's somehow, sometimes how I pitch it to companies. Uh, like a lot of people, a lot of people leave their jobs because they just don't enjoy working on their application anymore. And one of the reasons they often don't enjoy working on their application anymore is because they have to work with these, these, you know, all these little chores that take so long and, you know, they're not very satisfying because like you, you fix an end to end test that should have been working already. And then you're feeling like it's probably going to break again later anyway. Yeah. You know, so this, this just makes you like want to stay at your job and make you want to keep writing quality code. Yeah, it's a great pitch for your company. Come work with us, you know, program in Vue.js and test using Cypress. Boom. <laughs> it's my recommendation. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. I don't know if getting a new job that my first look at is, you know, if they're using <laughs> what kind of testing framework they have or... <laughs> yeah, but, but, but recruitment yeah, is also keeping informed. people. Yeah. Okay, maybe yeah, second interview, second interview. <laughs> so I wanted to ask about using Cypress with more of a BDD, um, not just TDD uh, cycle where you're actually like writing the end-to-end -end test first and then coding to that. Uh, has that been, have you heard much, had much feedback on people, clients that have tried that or done that yourself? Is that a target point for Cypress? Before he answers that, Joe, can you just explain a little bit of the BDD philosophy, what it right. stands for and what it means? So if you understand test-driven development, that is, I'm going to write my unit test first, and then I'm going to write the code to make the unit test pass, right? A BDD philosophy is taking that a step higher and saying, I'm going to write an end it, It's arguable as to, is it an integration test or an end-to-end -end test, right? But you would write a bigger test, something like an end-to-end -end test. And then within that, you then go in and start writing unit tests uh, for a piece of the end-to-end -end test and you make those pass and eventually you get the end-to-end -end test to pass. So it's kind of like taking TDD up a, a notch, turning it up a notch in a sense. Yeah, the term I've always heard for it is outside in. So you start as far out as you're comfortable and then you work in with a slightly smaller piece, slightly smaller piece until you get down to your unit tests. Right. Anyway, go ahead, Gleb. <laughs> I, I think you can easily do both styles. Uh, I'm, I'm partial, but it's, it's easy to you know open you know, Cypress window, start writing like loading your page, right, and then you know provide a couple of other tests that exercise you know maybe the menu on your page, and then drill down to the thing that you just finished building and describe its behavior, right, and then now you have proved it to yourself that you actually implemented your feature. Right, and then the test will be a good record going forward. Uh, I, I don't see, you know, any kind of you know, preference or Cypress forcing you into specific style. I would say the test itself kind of describe your behavior very naturally, and because you kind of see them and you express Cypress test in in a language that's almost reads like English, really, and especially as you kind of chain. Actions, assertions, actions, assertions. It reads very, very naturally as a description of your user story or as a behavior of your user going through the system. 
approved for your website. So do your own thing. Just do it. <laughs> I like it. All right. I'm gearing up to do a conference talk here. Is there more to talk about or we sh should we do picks? Because if there's more to talk about, I'll just bow out. I just want to make sure uh, that we ask what's on the horizon for Cyprus. You know, what's, what's coming down the pike. So really big things. Uh, right now, Cyprus is limited to Chrome-based browsers like Electron Chrome, Chrome Canary. Uh, Firefox support is pretty close. Uh, maybe after that, we'll look at Edge. Uh, I don't know yet. Um, and also load balancing, where you can split all your specs across many CI machines if you want to, is a huge feature. Uh, so those two are immediate. Yeah, I'd say that's the one like weakness of Cypress that I've found so far. But yeah, I, it's great to hear that that is being worked on and uh, will be less, of an, less and less of a problem over time. It's all in open source. You can find the full request and find the feature and see the progress. It's, you know, right now it's just polishing rough edges and making sure all the end-to-end -end tests are passing in the same way in Chrome and in Firefox. Any plan for an IE6 test runner? Everyone asks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Netscape, yes. Netscape. I, I, we are a small company, right? And we, we are only eight people. So, so is the is the answer? Hey, it's open source. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make a pull request. You know, we'll consider it seriously. You know, like. mm -hmm. <laughs> no, no. One question that I have, uh, we'll just keep going, I guess. Uh, one question that I have is: you said it's a small company, but this is open source, right? It's free for me to use. So, yeah. how does Cypress have money to pay Gleb? So we rob banks on the side. You know, <laughs> no. Um, but Test Runner is 100% MIT licensed open source, not feature limited in any way. We make money off SaaS on top of that. So we provide your service to store all your videos, all your artifacts for your private projects on our server so you have a central location of all your test results. Okay? That's how we make money. And, then, and that'll have more features too in the future, like the, I, I think like video diffing and, and things like that. Video diffing, load balancing will all be extras. Integration with like Slack and Zapier and GitHub will be extras. Uh, but we're not making money of a test run itself. What do you do that's integration with Slack? So you can send messages when a test fails, when user joins organization, when uh, a test becomes, let's say, you know, passing or something. Hmm. Okay. Because you want to have a turnaround really quick, right? So why not? All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and do some picks. And since I'm the one with the time crunch today, I'm going to go ahead and start us off. For you, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings.
the first pick that I have is um, I, I I listen to books on Audible all the time. <laughs> uh, between that and podcasts, it, it's it's pretty much a constant thing for me. And uh, I've really been enjoying a few books that I'm just going to mention here. One of them is a book that I read quite a long time ago called Running with the Demon by Terry Brooks. Um, typically, when I'm trying to go to sleep, I'll put my headphones in and just listen for 10 minutes and that helps me relax. And so uh, I've, I've really, really been enjoying that. Um, the other book that I'm going to pick, and depending on your political bent, you may or may not appreciate this, um, but it's interesting. And I, I'll also mention that uh, this book has a, a particular political bent. It's written by Glenn Beck but he goes after Republicans and Democrats in this book. It's called Liars, How Progressives Exploit Our Fears. And uh, he just talks about a, a lot of the ideas behind progressivism and some of the damage they've done. Um, and even if your political bent isn't the same as mine, I think it's interesting to dive into these ideas from all sources and see how much merit they have. Uh, you know, Check the political facts, especially since they're in the past and just figure out how all that stuff works. So um, I'm going to encourage folks to, uh, to, to go check that book out. Um, Joe, do you want to sound off with everyone else for picks? Yep. yep. Uh, Chris, do you have your picks ready? Okay, so I don't think I have talked about this one yet. I, I'm, I realize I'm going to start needing a system to keep track of the picks that I've talked about and what I haven't talked about yet. So for speculative fiction short stories... Uh, and someone stop me if I have talked about this. Um, a collection of short stories that I really, really enjoyed is Stories of Your Life and Others. I, I'd say it's probably my favorite collection of short stories. It's by Ted Chiang. Uh, if you've seen the movie Arrival, uh, it's actually based on the titular story in this book. And I'd say every single story is like, pretty like, mind-blowing and, and just lovely. Uh, except so, I'd say if you're reading the first story and you're not really getting into it, just skip it and go to the next ones and uh, see what you, you know, I, I th think you'll probably like the others. Uh, I also want to talk about uh, Prown, which is uh, spelled P-R-O-U-N. It's a prototyping tool uh, for single file view components that Pine Wu just announced at ViewConf US. And it should probably be out by the time that this uh, recording is out. And you can think of it like a, a local version of CodePen for single file view components that updates within like milliseconds of making a change and offers the same development experience you get in your editor because it's actually a VS Code plugin. And then for my final pick, uh, I saw a poster for Avatar The Last Airbender on uh, Chuck's wall. And I, I, I mean the, the cartoon, not the movie by... Uh, I can't remember who did it now, but I, I've heard the movie was terrible. I haven't seen it, but the, the cartoon is actually really, really good. I recommend it for both adults and children. And in fact, that's one of the few, uh, few shows I recommend to parents as something that you can actually watch with children and enjoy it just as much as your kids. That's all my picks for today. Awesome. Eric, how about you? Yeah, I'll give plus one to The Last Airbender. I watched that a while ago. That's fun one. Uh, my, my, uh, my picks is uh, I've been playing around with Vutify a lot, vutify.js.com. It's a material design component framework. Uh, it's uh, pretty fun. I actually, uh, I'll give myself a free, free plug. I did a video on it. You can find it at eric.video on it. Um, but I also worked, uh, looked at material design 
for Vue.js, another uh, kind of these component UI Vue.js frameworks you can just kind of plug in real quickly and you can get buttons and alerts and drop downs and navigations and menus um, just really simply. It's real simple and it has all the hooks in for your view stuff to, to kind of get it up and running. So definitely sped up some development of some side project stuff I'm doing. So I would recommend those to view material and beautify. And that's E-R-I-K dot video, right? Yep. That's right. E-R-I-K dot video. The, 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 the Eric with a C has terrible videos. Don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you, Joe? All right. So my picks are, um, I'm a big fan of games of a lot of different types. And this, uh, like last weekend, I tried, I've, I've done a fair number of role-playing games. This last weekend, I tried for the very first time. And I, I hope I get a couple of chuckles out of everybody else on the panel. I tried the My Little Pony role-playing game called Tales of Equestria. I actually played it with a, a friend of mine and his two daughters who are 10 and 13 years old. And I really actually had a great time with it. So, it's so Joe, you're a brony? Is that what they call him? <laughs> To be honest, I'm actually not. I don't think I've ever seen a whole episode of My Little Pony, although I do have a Brony t-shirt because my daughter was way big into My Little Pony for a while and I wanted to support her. Mm-hmm. But um, I am actually, I don't know that I could really consider myself a Brony. <laughs> I am getting to learn some of their names a little bit more, but it, it was actually a really interesting and fun role-playing game. So if you're into role-playing games and you have younger kids and it's a great way to, to play with uh, your kids and do something a little bit different than just letting them stick their nose into their phones for hours on end. Um, what's fun, what I think is really actually kind of funny is back when I was a kid, if you sat around and played role-playing games, the parents were all freaked out because you weren't outside running around. Now parents are worried that their kids are just nosing the phone all day long. And so if you actually start doing role-playing games as a kid, parents are super happy because you're socializing and actually interacting with real people. <laughs> So kind of an interesting turnaround. So that's my first pick. And then for my second pick, I've watched a few episodes, like the first like six or 10 episodes of the TV, the Netflix show, Santa Clarita Diet, which is about a woman who becomes a zombie. It's, it's a humorous bent. It's hilarious. It's very adult, uh, fairly uh, harsh language and very gruesome. And but man, it is there is a lot of hilarious stuff in there. So if you're looking for a funny TV show to watch, Santa Clarita Diet. And those are my picks. So finally, we got Gleb. Finish this up. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, my first pick is Service Workers in Safari are here, so we can finally support all major browsers. And but excellent. So if you haven't checked out what Service Workers can do for your app, you know, do it now. It, it's great. Uh, my second pick is called Renovate App. So renovateapp.com. It's a service similar to Greenkeeper.io, uh, but out, like upgrades your dependencies for your NPM projects. And you, it's super flexible. You can configure everything. So I configured a bunch of my repos now to merge minor and patch uh, upgrades if they pass the test and it just worked like a charm. I, I pretty much stopped thinking about my dependencies or are they out of date or up to date. It just keeps chugging along, upgrading, releasing new versions and making pull requests for major upgrades. So it's an excellent tool. 
And my last uh, pick is kind of self-promotion, but for a good reason. So in the month of July, I'll be working out of uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. So if you want to talk JavaScript or you have a meetup related to front-end or Node or anything or testing, uh, and it's like geographically in Scandinavia, uh, I'm there. So um, you have a chance you know, to have beer with me or invite me to your meetup and talk about development topics. So uh, those are my free picks. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Gleb, for coming. It was awesome having you on and a really great discussion. And again, our heartfelt thanks for you guys, your team and all the work that you guys do. You've really been a great benefit to the industry as a whole. So, and again, thanks for your time. Thanks, of course, to our panel. And uh, Chuck is now off doing his uh, remote conf, but as well him. And we will see everybody next week. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.